Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is the Wesson Walker Show. I think the most I've ever spent was like maybe, was maybe 150 it's a decent amount. It's Wes. And how much was the transaction that you had to pay her when the date was over? Wow. That's wow. an amazing insult. And Walker. It just makes me feel good. I can't get a woman out of the bed, but I can get my co-host or that's my right. show host out of the bed. That's I think right. you can get a woman in the bed, Fiddy. It's not about getting them out right now. Shut the hell up. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. <laughs> Definite inside joke. Oh yeah, that's too that's too much. We are back. West and Fitty. No Walker today. Walker's a little under the weather. As I said, it's bad weather outside and Walker's a little under the weather. So hit him up at Walker Mail on Twitter, Instagram. He doesn't check his Instagram that much, I don't think. But hit him up. Give him some well wishes. Let him know that you're thinking about him. And uh, keep the text coming on the Carolina Men's Clinic text line, 704-570-9610. Liner Boy, off our discussion that we just had, Liner Boy 74 said, no, sir. We need experienced coaches. If Cam or Dan or Olsen wants to help, then they can help. But no big position. And he put it in all caps. That's something I would go, mm, when he said that. The bagel guy says, Wes, if we need a break from the Panthers, we need to talk about the dating challenge that Mac and Bone brought up this morning. Fitty versus Flounder on a night out. Who would get a date first? Man, that kind of that does excite me a little bit to be able to do something like that, to be able to instigate uh, a night out with you two, man. What what do you think about that? Do you think that you would beat Flounder? You'd be able to get a date first. How, how do you see that turning out? Well, I mean, you know, I'm not going to sit here and not speak confidently. I feel like if I'm in the arena and I'm trying, I I, I think I would probably beat him one nothing. Okay. <laughs> You know, a close be, game, one it, nil. It, it'd be like a World Cup final between two great sides that are just doing, you know, they're, they're just putting their hearts out there on the line, and you know, one team's got to win and one team's got to lose, and I'd, I'd come out victorious. <laughs> Listen, I'm here for that, man. We might have to set that up. I got to get some more details on that. I'll have to ask uh, Mac and Bone when I see him. But without further ado, it is time for the campus coda. National championship game last night. The college football season is over. Bittersweet. Fiddy, how do you feel when you watch the college football game? Is it just a feeling like the Super Bowl was bittersweet? Well, you know, man, I've been very excited about this. And, man, it's time for the season to culminate in the ultimate competition. But, man, I know when this is over, no more Saturdays. I got to wake up on Saturday now and figure out what to do with my time, even though we're watching college basketball. Yeah, uh, like like for me this year, because Carolina basketball figures to be good, it's not as depressing, um, especially after the, the football season I just endured. Um, it, it, to me, it's not as like when I was a kid and the season came to an end, I was I was kind of heartbroken, a little bit of sad. Because, as y'all know, I love my college football Saturdays. 
I don't date because I'm watching Pac-12 football until 2 a.m. in the morning. Last night, though, and maybe it's because Michigan was winning, I didn't really care. Like I was like, I'm I'm ready for the offseason, if you will, because now it's a 365-day-a-year sport. Yeah. Like, there is no offseason. We're mm-hmm. still going to talk college football, so I don't miss it as much as I did as a kid because – it would go away for two to three months. Yep. Before you know it, we'll be sitting there watching spring practice and all of that and talking about what's going to happen. But to last night, Michigan is the 2023 CFP National Champions, the 12th national title in program history and the first since the end of the 1997 season. Michigan ends the season with a perfect 15-0 and record. Clemson, LSU, and Georgia are the only other teams in college football history to achieve a single season record of 15 wins without a loss. It is the winningest season in Michigan history. Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards both eclipsed 100 yards rushing. It was the first time this season that multiple UN ball carriers cracked the 100-yard mark. The last time they did that was 2022 against Rutgers. It was the first time in CFP title game history that a team produced two 100-yard rushers in the game. The offense finished with 304 total rushing yards, both a season high for Michigan and a college football title game high. It was Michigan's fourth time with over 200-plus team rushing yards this season. J.J. McCarthy didn't play spectacular, but the guy that Jim Harbaugh calls the greatest Michigan quarterback of all time, 10 of 18, 140 yards. Michael Penix had, he was 255 yards passing through the air. He had that, should I say, and a touchdown with two interceptions. What was your take on this game, Fitty, that this Michigan team proved to you last night that without a doubt, they were the nation's best team this season. Yeah, I mean, look, they, they were my pick in the preseason to win the national championship. They were my pick in the playoff to emerge victorious. There's something about watching a team that's fallen short back-to-back years in the playoff, coming back, running it back, and saying we're going to get all the way, and we're going to win a national championship. They overcame adversity against Bama in the Rose Bowl. And then last night, Wes... I mean, it was 17-10. to 10. That game was very much in the balance, and you felt like if Penix and that offense yes. got in rhythm, that that game was there for Washington to take control of. <laughs> it didn't happen. Um, you got to credit the defense, and that was something that, you know, I was sitting there watching last night. And the level of defense I saw played by Michigan, it's a different sport from when I watched North Carolina try to tackle. <laughs> like I'm watching corners shed blocks and make tackles at the line of scrimmage. It's a level of physicality. And there was something about seeing two quarterbacks play off because you knew it was a big game. Like I think their, their, their nerves got to them. And so for a game that didn't have a lot of juice, it was a fun, entertaining game for four quarters and a great way to cap a great college football season. Yeah, and the big thing was, too, in the second half, you know, Michigan looked like they were in trouble, in my opinion, because as bad as Washington had played, to go in at half 17 to 10, yep. I thought, man, as explosive as this team can be, Michigan better watch out in the second half because I thought at some point Washington's offense was going to wake up. Penix was going to eventually start to get the time that he needed to find a Dunze and those guys. But they outscored Washington 17-3. They But the yardage, though, the comparison, 141 to 153, so that was heavily, uh, you know, just very similar as far as production. But only 14 rushing yards for Washington. They only had 46 rushing yards for the game. That was huge. As you talked about Michigan's defensive backs, and I tweeted, I was live tweeting last night, 
And I said, the way that they play, they play the way that they're coached. Those defensive backs, you see them, they're going in there, perfect technique to break up a pass. Or they're going in there, they're making the tackle, sure tackle. No, just I'm going to try to make this sports center highlight and I'm going to come up and just hit you and not wrap up. No, they're wrapping up. And then also, too, when they got you going to the ground, they're trying to strip that football out. This was a very, very well-coached, fundamentally sound Michigan football team. They ended up out yardage, uh, out yardaging, if that's a word. It's going to be a word that I make up. 443 to 301 uh, Michigan to Washington. But the yards per play, Michigan averaged 7.8 yards per play for the game, while Washington only averaged 4.2 yards per play. Washington also won time of possession. It wasn't by much, but they were 30 30 minutes, 44 seconds to 29 minutes and 16 seconds for the Michigan Wolverines. And I said that that was one of Michigan's M.O.s all season long was the way that they could control the clock on you as well with that powerful running game. So I thought that Michigan, while they hit a little bit of a rut during the game and you thought that Washington was going to have that opening to be able to get in there. And I thought maybe at some points we might be going to overtime, but it wasn't to be. And Blake Corm and the crew, they really came out and did their thing. But Donovan Edwards set it off quickly. And when they gave out the MVP award, how would you feel about that? Because I know Corm had more of the workhorse kind of day, 21 carries, 134 yards, and two touchdowns. But I thought Donovan Edwards, for the better part of that game, was going to get that MVP, especially before Corm got his first score. I figured once he got the second one, I was like, yeah, you know, he's probably going to wrap this thing up. But I thought Donovan Edwards was huge, and I thought he had a real case for offensive MVP in that game. He set it off. Well, you're talking about his first two touches went for touchdowns, and they were both, you know, long, long, long runs. Mm-hmm. It felt more like a sentimental type of thing because Corum, of course, missed the, the playoff last year, torn ACL, 28 touchdowns this year, just a model, you know, the most ever by a Michigan player in the history of that program. Um, and it feels like that's why he got it because you could have both given it to him because they were the the benefit they were the reason why they won because JJ McCarthy who Jim Harbaugh says the best quarterback in Michigan football didn't look the part last night and they had to run the ball early and often because the passing game was out of rhythm um, but you know you could have given it to either guy and it would have been justified because they both were the reasons why Michigan won the game. Let's hear from Jim Harbaugh while he talked about each piece of confetti having its own story. How sweet does this little bath feel right now? It's pretty great. You know, you watch this confetti come down, it's like thousands of confetti. It tells a story. There's a story in every one of those pieces of confetti. I like that, man. I, I think Harbaugh is one of the best at coming up with stuff just like that, saying every piece of confetti has its own story because the work that those guys put in from the start of the season to the end of it, it all culminated in a championship. Congrats to Michigan. Now, Michael Penix, I talked about the other day, I checked out the PFF mock draft, the latest one that they've had, and they had five quarterbacks in the top 12. Michael Penix checked in at number nine to the Atlanta Falcons in that mock draft, and a lot of people have been talking talking about before I saw this how Penix wasn't getting a lot of draft love while people not talking about him as far as a first rounder do you think that last night helped or hurt his stock I don't want to say hurt because I thought he played as well as he could given their offensive line issues and the fact that he was just hurt but you see why he's going to struggle at the next level because he's he's small Mm -hmm. he's tiny he looked tiny in the pocket and he has durability issues I mean, he had, what, three season-ending injuries during his college career? 
Um, two of them happen to be ACL injuries. If you could protect him and keep him upright, he can make every throw. I think his arm is as good as Caleb Williams or Drake Mays or Jaden Daniels in the draft. I just don't know how long his body can hold up. And you saw that last night because by the middle of the fourth quarter, while the game was still close, his body was failing him and he couldn't make the throws he made all year long. Yeah, you know, I think that this is one of the guys that the rookie wage scale certainly helps because I think Michael Penix is a guy they've seen what he's done this season, led college football in so many passing categories. Not to mention he lit up Texas in the last round. I think he might have been a little bit more beat up than he was putting on. But I think that this is a guy that you do take a flyer on in the first round because of that rookie wage scale. You're not going to have to pay him a ton of money. If you get him and he turns into a stud, then great. If you get him and he doesn't, then you move on and you go get somebody else in another year or two. But I think that Penix has certainly proven himself to be a first round. I know that the... Folks, there we go again with another message. So hopefully you took heed to that. We are up against the break, but when we come back, we're going to tell you about another Tar Heel that is going into the College Football Hall of Fame, and we're going to get back into the Carolina Panthers. Just how bad is the national perception of them on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ? McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only 
at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. your favorite 80s radio station. This is the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Biddy, I saw you vibing over there, man. That's a little bit before your time, though. Yeah, but uh, this is a song that whenever you hear it, it, it even on a rainy day, and even in the hell that is Charlotte sports, you still gotta <laughs> dance, man, because it's just one of those that I feel like even if Walker was here, we'd all be kind of doing some sort of yeah, movement. Yeah. It's just one of those one of those songs. Yeah, man. Look, I always said that song right there, if somebody asked me, they just came from the future, like Terminator or something like that, and said, what does the 80s sound like? I would play them that song. That would really? be the song I would play. Yeah, man. That, that's a quintessential 80s song. The synthesizers and all that stuff, man. That That's so 80s. So 80s. All right. So we talked about it. Text line. Charlotte Men's Clinic or Carolina Men's Clinic text line 704-570-9610. Casey Steve, man, we think we got weather out here. He said sounds like bad weather pertaining to us. Eight or nine inches of snow here and still going. Negative eight degrees here Saturday for the Chiefs game. Miami should love that. LOL. Look, man. I love watching cold weather games. There's nothing better to me than being under a blanket, okay, while these guys out there freezing their behind off, watching a cold weather game. I mean, negative eight degrees, I just always think about how do those guys do it. I never played in a game close to that. I just could not imagine playing in that kind of weather because I hate playing in the cold. I could play in 130 degrees before I'd rather play in negative eight. Yeah, I mean, I can remember playing when I played middle school ball, and you played, you know, into October, maybe early November. Yeah. And it's like 44 degrees, and, you're, you know, you're bundled up on the sidelines making sure that you're you're keeping warm. Negative eight? That, I mean, what do you do, man? I mean, there's not enough hand warmers. There's not enough toe warmers. There's just not enough stuff to keep you warm in that weather, man. You are a dedicated fan to be able to go out there and watch a game in that kind of weather. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm 27, and I've resigned to the fact, um, and maybe this says more about me as a sports fan, I don't love sports enough to sit in the rain, <laughs> the snow, uh-huh. and if it's below 40 degrees, I mean, unless I've either already bought the ticket or it's like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, not not going. See, I can do, I like warm rain. My mom and I went to watch Wake in Miami play one time in warm rain. I can do that in the summertime, even though it is annoying. Your socks get wet, your sneakers get wet, but I can do a warm rain. But when it's cold and raining, to me, that is the most miserable temperature, most miserable conditions out there is when it is raining and cold. I can do snow, but rain and cold, it just stinks. And then Granny Pat always got to read her text. She's talking about the college football playoff championship game. She said, I wanted a closer game last night. It wasn't. 
So my opinion was it was a boring game to me. And she said, I moved on to the Hornets. Fourth quarter was great. Well, Granny Pat, we're going to talk about the Hornets coming up here soon. And that was an exciting game. I did have that on uh, on the other TV. And real quick, too, meant to get in the campus. Kona, Julius Peppers is going to the College Football Hall of Fame in this year's class. He paid, played in Chapel Hill from 1999 to 2001. One of the most disruptive players, one of the most freakish players college football or football in general has ever seen. Unanimous first team All-America in 2001. He won the Chuck Bednarik Award for the nation's top defensive player and the Rotary Lombardi Award, which at the time was given to the nation's top interior lineman. He finished 10th in the Heisman Trophy balloting, was a finalist for the Nagurski Trophy, and was honored as Chevrolet's Defensive Player of the Year. And uh, this class, man, it's got some of my all-time favorites in there. Just a couple of guys of note besides Peppers that's going in. Justin Blackman, remember that name? He flamed out in the NFL, but Lord knows at Oklahoma State, he was unstoppable. Uh, Tim Couch, I was a big uh, fan of his when he came out. I remember back when all the recruit news you got was through magazines, and I remember the legend of Tim Couch in high school and how he was lighting people up. Warwick Dunn took a school picture in my Warwick Dunn, Florida State jersey. Armani Edwards from App State is going in. Larry Fitzgerald, Toby Gerhardt, we were just talking about him the other day. Steve Hutchinson, Randy the Dandy, Randy Moss is going in. Uh, as well. So those are some of the names of notes, man. There's some great names. Paul Puzlesny, Alex Smith. I mean, they put in a crap ton of guys into this Hall of Fame. You got nervous right there, Fitty? You thought I was going to slip up. I just wasn't expected to hear crap ton come out of your mouth. So, yes. <laughs> I, I, I bet a lot of NFL people wish that this was the amount of guys that they put in here because it, it is a lot. I mean, I'm just looking at just guesstimating about 20 guys that they're putting into this football Hall of Fame uh, class. So congrats to those guys. Congrats to Julius Peppers. And I would be remiss. I also wanted to get to in the corner. We got robbed last night. Us video game heads. Yes, I haven't had a system in quite some time. EA Sports put out that they were going to have new information regarding the new college football video game, long awaited, and we got nothing. We got nothing. I was excited about it. You saw me tweet it out during my live tweet, just saying how I was just super excited for this. And man, the social media backlash was real last night. And one of the funny ones I see from this guy named Jeffrey the Greek said, we want the EA Sports NCAA football commercial said CFB fans. ESPN says best I can do for you is Arby's and Dr. Pepper fansville. Okay, that was all we got last night. We didn't get any new information on the EA Sports game, the new college football game. I mean, Jack says on the text line, I think they're pump faking the entire video game. We've seen this before from them with NBA Live. When they were supposed to bring NBA Live back, when 2K really started to uh, take the lead as the top basketball game, and they were supposed to come back out with it before they ended up scrapping the entire thing. I don't think this is going to happen with the college football game, but, man, you can't tease us like that, Fiddy. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, look, um, the, 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 the college football playoff, their halftime isn't as long as the Super Bowl. But even during halftime, we're like, you know, maybe I would have taken a shower or gotten food or whatever. I was glued to my TV because I was like, this is where we're going to get the commercial. Yeah. <laughs> I stayed up till 1230 Man. watching post game, waiting to see the new trailer. Because, like, 
This is this is going to be Woodstock to my generation. When this game comes back out, <laughs> it's going to be a cultural phenomenon. I'm an Xbox Series X guy. I'm going to bring my my system to the station so we can all take turns playing the game. And I might not leave that day. Yeah, I mean, like our show talks about this game like once a month. Yeah, and, and it, because we all grew up playing this game, and I'm starting to get worried, man. The game was already delayed. And then we were supposed to get some new information last night, and we didn't get any. They might be pulling our strings, man. If that's the case, I'll be more heartbroken than when the same girl left me three times. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm with you. But maybe it's good that they didn't put something out last night because you and I probably still would have been sitting in front of the TV just in pure shock that this game was coming. But I hope that's not the case because I know when they rebuild these games, they got to start from the bottom up with the engine and how they're going to do it. I know about the frostbite and all that type of stuff that they do to get the motion capture. But yeah, if they don't come out with some information in at least the coming weeks, it is going to start to get down to me hitting the panic button, okay? I'm going to start to panic just a little bit that this game might not be coming. But one thing we won't have to panic over, or maybe you are panicking out there, the Carolina Panthers head coach general manager search is ongoing. We talked about the candidates that they brought in. They brought in general manager candidates that they've requested as well. Uh, head coaching candidates that they've requested. But the national perception of the Carolina Panthers, I've heard at least two to three analysts this morning making just disparaging, uh, condescending comments about the Carolina Panthers job, whether they were talking about Harbaugh and him taking that. I heard Dominique Foxworth uh, say something this morning about it. Uh, I heard Stephen A. and the guy saying something about it. But uh, also, too, uh, our guy Pharrell said something about it. He said that there, he said, there are tough times going down in there in Charlotte. He said, it's a whole mess they got going down there. Uh, that's what he said about the Panthers. And I think that that's certainly the national perception here, man. And it's making it, in my opinion, uh, difficult, I think, for any head coach of ilk that really wants to come to a great situation. It's certainly going to give them cause to pause because they hear things. And if they don't, their family, they hear things. They're going to tell them, honey, are you hearing what they're saying uh, about the Panthers? Are you sure you want to take that job? We had Gabe McDonald on uh, yesterday on Wesson Walker talking about the head coaching search. And this is what he had to say. I think it's a, it's a challenging job. I mean, first off, you have to look at who you're going to be reporting to. We all know David Tepper is not the most patient owner. And you got to think about just how much turnover there has been since he's taken over the team, since he bought the team. And also, you got to figure out this team, worst record in the league, you don't own a first-round pick. The first pick you would have at the moment is 33rd overall. So I don't know if it's the most attractive job to a candidate because you got to think about you're going into – a roster that's in pretty bad shape. You don't have a first-round pick next year. You know, you're working for an owner who obviously has in been in the news for a lot of the wrong reasons. I don't know if it's that desirable of a job. I think one thing that could change that is if you had a first-round pick, we'll see what kind of moves they make. But right now, I don't think it's the most desirable one out there. Yeah, I think that when we talked about it and – when you talk about the reasons why you wouldn't take this job or the reason why we talked about yesterday, this being the worst season in Panthers history is not just some of the antics that we had, but the fact that there's no gold at the end of the tunnel. There's no big time prospect that you can sink your hopes in that's sitting at the end of this thing. No Caleb Williams, no Marvin Harrison Jr., no none of that to look forward to. Uh, they have to pick at the top of the second round and hopefully they can pick a guy that's going to come in and help immediately. 
And so when you look at the candidates in which that they've requested to interview, if I were to rank a top three of these guys, and just this is just off the guys that they're requesting to interview, um, I think Bobby Slowick, uh, I would say that Todd Munkin, and I was, oh, no, excuse me, not Todd Munkin. I would say uh, Mike McDonald and then Frank Smith. Those would be the top three guys. Ben Johnson, I do, I, I like Ben Johnson. I can see a little bit uh, the fascination with him. I just wanted to with some of these coaches that, you know, when they, they're so loaded in Detroit with the guys that he has, I just wonder, is it is it his offense? But I, I do respect Ben because, my prerequisite for a head coach is that you have to be sterling uh, and what you did at your previous spot to me to earn that opportunity. And so for Ben Johnson, when you look at what he's been able to do in Detroit, I mean, for the couple of years that he's been in that role, they've been pretty big time. I mean, they're top 10 in scoring offense uh, in 2022. They were ninth this year. They're eighth. They made a significant jump in total yards from 21 to eight from year over year. Uh, then also when you look at, you know, the passing offense that he's instituted in yards, uh, they were eighth last year, they're second this year, fourth in passing touchdowns. They were eighth last year. Just like that, we are back, man. They've been uh, catching us lacking today, man. But it's okay. We're still going to deliver you that sports talk that you desire. The text line is still jumping. Jack said uh, when I did that impression of Pharrell, he said I sounded like Alex Jones. Uh, Panther both said that was a 10 out of 10 Pharrell impression. It was very good. As good a Pharrell impression as I've ever heard. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's my guy. He is hilarious. Uh, now, back to the conversation. The 803 number says, by that logic, you should have the same opinion of Frank Smith. Listen, I'm going to give these guys a chance, though. I'm not going to 
hit them and call them game managers as coaches, okay? I think that, you know, these guys, if you can come in with, with sterling marks with what you've done, yeah, you might not have, in, in Frank Smith's case, you might not come in here and have the tie, uh, you know, the the – What's my man, the cheetah, Tyreek Hill. You may yeah. not have him out there at wide receiver, but I'm going to give guys a shot. If you come over as a top-notch guy at your position, the best of the best, which these guys are, you got to give them a chance because, you know, Bill Walsh, somebody had to give him a chance before he made it. Jimmy Johnson, all these guys, everybody had to get a chance, and I'm sure that there was some skepticism. How much do you put into that, Fiddy, as far as personnel a coach has and wondering if they can come and work the same magic that they had at a previous stop? I, I, I think it plays a lot into what you know. Frank Smith has at his disposal in Miami. He's also working under Mike McDaniel, who yeah. you saw in San Francisco, mm-hmm. is an offensive wizard, and he's a great play designer. Ben Johnson reminds me of, like, he's like Kellen Moore light. Where, like, he's just in a really good situation. You've got a top 12 quarterback. We can say top 12 because Walker isn't here. We're not going to argue about Jared Goff. You've got legitimate weapons at the wide receiver position. You've got good running backs. you got a rookie tight end that, you know, had 86 catches. Yes. Like, you've got legitimate weapons. You play in a dome. I think that helps. How does that offense translate here yeah. when you're not in a dome and you don't have those weapons. And so um, I'm. it's why, and look, I know I was. I wanted them to hire Frank Wright because I wanted somebody proven. And I know in this era, you got to take a risk, but I feel like David Tepper needs a proven leader. And Ben Johnson hasn't led a locker room. He's led an offense. Yeah. He hasn't led a locker room, and that's a big difference. So you prefer head coaching experience as opposed to a coordinator? I, I feel like when you're in the position that Carolina is right now, yes. And I know it's it's hard to say because they just hired a retread, and he lasted 11 games. But um, you want someone that is going to know how to come in here and handle the dysfunction. Because if you're hiring a retread coach, he's dealt with dysfunction because he's been fired whether mid-year or after the year. Is Ben Johnson going to know here and how, know how to handle all that? Yeah. No. I think a guy like Dan Quinn, that guy would know, okay, how to come in here and change the culture immediately as opposed to learning on the job. Yeah, and I think so too. And let me clarify, those rankings for yardage for Ben Johnson was the team's rank and yardage differential, but the total offense that he's had there, both years he's been top five. He was fourth in 2022 and third uh, in 2023. And so on the text line, uh, weatherman Mark says he wishes that they could get Mike Tomlin. Yeah, he he's done a good job, man, with all the quarterback shuffling he's had to do to get the Steelers in the playoffs. I know I looked up the other day and I was like, dang, the Steelers made the playoffs. I mean, Tomlin, it doesn't matter what you give him. And, and I think that's a great example of what we're talking about right here. Where you're talking about, but somebody again had to give him that chance. But you look at the Ben Johnsons and and the Frank Smiths and those guys, and you say, yeah, man, they've had, you know, some great personnel to help them. But you look at a guy like Mike Tomlin, and it's like, man, this guy, no matter what you give him, this offense, I mean, the Steelers don't have a ton of, of difference makers on that offense. Kenny Pickett is treading towards being a bust. Yeah. You look at Najee Harris, he's come on, and he's been a solid player. But uh, the receivers, Deontay Johnson and those guys, you know, they've been okay, but it's not the Steelers receivers that we're used to. We know the issues that George Pickens has had. Lord knows he hurt me on my fantasy team. So, uh, But he can win 
no matter what. Uh, Tub in the Tub asks about uh, Mike Vrabel. We talked about him before, but this is a guy I wouldn't be opposed to, but two consecutive losing seasons, ugh, I, I just I don't know the optics of that coming here after what they've dealt with. It wouldn't inspire a fan base, as we talked about earlier, that is as down as it's ever been in their 20-something years as an NFL franchise. Mm-hmm. But the guy, the guy's a proven winner. Like, look at what he did in Tennessee mm-hmm. with Ryan Tannehill as his quarterback. Yeah, he led the number one seed in the AFC. I know they lost a home playoff game to Cincinnati, and it didn't go anywhere. But like before, their quarterbacks got hurt. Derrick Henry got hurt. They were a stable franchise. They were winning games and going to the postseason and being competitive. And he plays the type of ball that this fan base is used to. You're going to run the ball not ask your quarterback to beat you, and you're going to play really good defense. And as much as I I love Bryce Young, I trust him, and I think he's got the ability to be a gunslinger, he might need to be protected by a defensive-minded head coach. Yeah, he just might be. And I like uh, 704-838. You know I'm a huge Derrick Henry fan. He says bring in Vrabel and Derrick Henry. That would be uh, a nice little combo. But, you know, Walker and uh, a lot of other people don't like paying running back. Minimum. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt about it. Well, when we come back on the Weston Walker Show, we're going to talk about the Charlotte Hornets lost to the Chicago Bulls last night. We're going to talk a little bit about their future and what could happen there on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back, folks. Hope you are staying dry out there. This is the Wes and Walker Show. It's Wes and Fitty today. Walker is out. Not feeling too great, but he will be back soon enough, man. I just want to take a peek outside during the break and fitty. It is coming down. You know, literally, like they say, cats and dogs. It is raining really hard out there. The wind is picking up. So be safe out there on the roads. Be safe in your homes. Because, man, this weather is not playing around out there, fitty. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty scary out there. And I think you're happy and everyone else should be happy. I'm not out there driving in these conditions <laughs> because... We just want you to drive safely, you know, just go. You need to go about five miles under the speed limit. Make sure you got a good distance. Because to me, that's the key in this weather is the distance. That's the number one issue that people have. The last time it rained hard here, I had a guy when I got when I merged on a 77 guy gets right up on my tail and it is pouring rain. And I'm looking back in my mirror because I am a gesture in my rearview mirror type of guy. I don't do rude gestures, but you'll just see my hand go up. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And I'm like, dude, come on now. Like if everybody just kept a good distance from the car in front of them, I think things will be much better. But you know, when you go out in Charlotte surrounding areas in the rain, and I think this is probably anywhere in the country, you got to account when it rains, probably add about 15 to 20 minutes on to your route because 
there's going to be some wrecks because some idiot is out there not doing what they should do. The more I drive in this city, rain, snow, sleet, or shine, it makes me wish I had Batman's Batmobile from the Dark Knight series. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the tumbler. Yeah, where I could just... <laughs> Go over people's cars yep, and do what you need to do. Yeah. And just make and get people out of my way. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, keep the text coming on the Carolina Men's Clinic text line, 704-570-9610. Keeping up with the conversations we've been having today. Big Cat Dan says no to Dan Quinn. Cal Hurd says if Harbaugh isn't the obvious answer or old Bill... I don't know who is. I've seen a couple of Belichick uh, texts for us today. Uh, somebody said, Sam Demand said, retreads, get refired. Uh, <laughs> Playmaker Baker said, in my opinion, I think the Panthers need a culture builder and hire a good, bright offensive mind at OC. He said, Mike Vraves would be a great culture builder. I, w- I would agree with that. He's a leader of men, similar to Dan Campbell in my eyes. I, I can agree with that uh, statement about him. I, I think that about Mike Vrabel. I think he's certainly uh, a guy. But uh, So moving on to this conversation and the Charlotte Hornets last night, they lose to the Chicago Bulls. And uh, the Hornets, like I said, they've been on hard times just like the Carolina Panthers. But when we look at the Hornets, we know that this is probably the season where we're finally going to see some shakeup. I think uh, last year there was a lot of speculation as to if the Hornets were going to make some moves, but they did not. And I think this year, I think it's finally going to happen. You lose back-to-back games to Chicago after the win versus Sacramento. And when you look at, I guess, some of the big fish out there, and I wanted the school of thought of you guys out there. What do you think about the Hornets and how they should go about this? Should they go about players that could help them right now? Or should they be wanting to get picks to continue the youth movement and find potentially the next superstar? Looks like they hit on Brandon Miller. Uh, We know LaMelo Ball looks like a hit when he's healthy on the court. But to find that, I guess, third superstar to have a big three here through the draft. But when you take a look, according to Bleacher Report at their NBA trade big board, uh, Donovan Mitchell is at the top of that list right now, followed by Laurie Markkinen. Uh, DeJounte Murray, surprisingly, uh, on that list as well. Pascal Siakam and Kyle Kuzma are their top five right now. And then you have DeMar DeRozan, Malcolm Brogdon. It seems like he's getting traded around like a pack of tops uh, trading cards these days. Uh, Alex Caruso, Boyan Bogdanovich, and Zach Levine. Do any of those names interest you as a guy that the Hornets should try to go after? No, they don't, Wes. I feel like they're in a holding pattern where, you know, when you're 8 and 26, you're definitely going to be sellers and they need to sell and they need to sell big. Um, and I've, I've talked about this since, since MJ sold the team. It's time for an organizational overhaul for the Hornets. And look at how small market teams around the NBA are building consistent winners. And we had the conversation back when they played Indiana. Is that the model that, that, that Charlotte should, should copy? And I pushed back and said, no, Oklahoma City is the model because that's a small market team that's made an NBA Finals, that's made a Western Conference Finals. And you look at them now, 
and they're second in the West, and they've got more draft picks than you could ever dream of. They're still young. They've got as much talent as anybody, and they're doing it in a different way, a way that a small market NBA team has to. And so um, we, we don't expect Steve Clifford back. We don't expect Mitch Kupchak back. I would sell off as many guys as you can and prepare to overhaul the way you do things on and off the floor. Yeah. Uh, when I look at this list, not a lot of the names uh, interest me to the point where I'm like, yo, they got to get that guy. But I'm still in the camp. I take Donovan Mitchell here in the Queen City all day, every day. I mean, the guy's averaging 27 points a game. He's shooting 45% from the field. He's shooting 35% from three. We know he's capable of going for 50 at any minute and also averaging six assists. Um, it's just a thing that, and, and not comparing Terry Rozier to uh, Donovan Mitchell, but it's like, man, with the way that Terry has been playing, it's like how much of a difference is it if you bring in a really good backcourt mate to LaMelo? Because we know Donovan Mitchell's not looked at as a defensive stalwart. And that's the type of guy that you would be looking for, I guess, to be an upgrade over Terry, a guy that can get you buckets, but then also a guy that can play defense. Because we've been talking about it ad nauseum. Terry Rozier goes off for another big game last night. And, I mean, it's tough to think about upgrading at this position when you look at the numbers he's been putting up, I mean, he's got two 30-plus point games and a 40-point game and three out of his last four. But I think that name interests me. I'm not the biggest Pascal Siakam fan, but I do think he would be a guy that would be interesting here to have out on the wing. But I think you've got a guy like Brandon Miller. You want him to develop, and so you don't want anybody to get in the way of that. Uh, DeJounte Murray, not really interested in him. I like his game, but... You know, I never he really. Be a Laker. Yeah, something like that. Because I, I never thought that Murray and Trey Young was going to be an excellent fit like nope. that. Anyway, to me, it was like two point guards. You're running with two point guards. I mean, what are you going to do there? And then Laurie Markkanen, um, you know, he's a good player to me, but I, I don't think he's a a guy that you throw in and you're thinking championship right there. So, if, if I'm the Hornets, if I can get Donovan Mitchell without giving up a ton, without giving up some of my young cornerstones i may be okay with that um but as far as the picks is concerned i guess that could help you be able to do that because that's my thing if picks is what you covet i think you need to try to use that to get a veteran that's going to come in and help you now help build that hornet's culture because i think the youth movement here needs to stop i think there's enough youth here we've seen a lot of that stuff the off the court some of the immaturity i think youth is the last thing that they need now brandon miller i have to give him his credit he's come in and been great, and I think he brings the type of mentality that the Hornets will want uh, going forward. But uh, I think that's be that will be interesting. So I want to know from you guys: Is there anybody out there that you feel like piques your interest as a Hornets team that you would like uh, to be here? And really quick, uh, Coach updated the other day: Lamelo Ball said that he is. Uh, scrimmaging with the guys doing five on five and stuff like that. So it looks like he could be back soon. And uh, we were going to get a little bit more into that topic. Uh, is he the Hornets version of J.C. Horn? But we'll probably have to table that for another day or later in the show. And also yesterday we had two uh, injuries to two prominent point guards. John Morant out for the season. Yep. It seems like he just got back. He's out for the season. And then uh, it's going to be hard for him to do that celebration with the with the bum uh, labrum. Is that too early? Wow. 
Okay, my bad. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, then, Usually I'm the one that goes there, Wes. <laughs> and then Tyrese Halliburton slipping on the court, yeah. man. He did a split. Looked like James Brown out there. And he uh, he got hurt as well. So speedy recovery to both of those guys. When we come back, you know what time it is on the Wes and Walker Show with Wes and Fitty today. It's time for the Live Wire Connect on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.